Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Hey, happy Saturday, man. Kicking off another weekend. Ready to rock and roll for another day in paradise. Carpe diem all over the place, if you know what I mean. Welcome into it. So wonderful to have you with us here on another Saturday. What a week it's been. My brain hurts. Both on the national politics, the state of Kansas. It is unbelievable sometimes of how crazy things can get, and we allow it to happen each and every day. This, I'm telling you, election season's only going to get crazier by the day. So strap in, buckle up, and let's uh, ride through this together here, shall we? Don't worry. We'll be your political therapist. We can break it through together. You and I will get through the madness the best we can. Welcome in. Great to have you. Happy Saturday. Give us a call, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotline's Big lineup today. We have Elizabeth Patton. She's the state director for Americans for Prosperity. She'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about, of course, this tax bill that was vetoed by Governor Kelly. And while we thought it was locked up in the House of Representatives, apparently it was failed. And we lost it by about four votes in the House of Representatives and the State House to override the governor's veto. We were concerned about it actually passing in the Senate. This one apparently didn't happen in the House, so kind of a shock and awe. I would have hated to have loved but hated to have been in a fly on the wall in the House chamber when some of the Republicans ended up flipping their vote to not vote for the veto override on this bill. I have said it many times before, and I tried to reiterate the fact that we are our own worst enemy here in the state of Kansas when it comes to the Republican Party. We are the own worst enemy. The Democrats are not, they're not relevant. We could just do everything without them, and we would still have the issues that we have today because half of the Republican Party, or at least a portion of the Republican Party, likes to fight against our own agenda. So we'll talk about the veto override vote uh, in just a little bit. We'll have Elizabeth Patton with Americans for Prosperity coming on to talk about that in just a bit. Also, top of next hour, State Representative Nick Hoheisel, District Number 97 here in the Wichita area. He'll also be joining. We'll get his take on what happened with the vote, along with some other issues that are going on throughout the State House this week as well. So, two great guests. Looking forward to chatting with them. And open line to you at 316-721-8255. A lot of other things to talk about this weekend as well as we kind of recap what happened across the states. Today's a big day. This is the final day of CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, going on in Washington, D.C. I won't talk too much about it on this program, but I will say that if you have never had the opportunity to go, I highly encourage you one of these days to try and go. Uh, it usually goes like a Thursday through Saturday, so today's the final day for it. Donald Trump is expected to speak, along with the president of Argentina, the guy that's making the rounds across the globe, Javier uh, Milley, will be speaking as well, which the media losing their minds over the fact that he's the, you know, the nutso-crazy guy, the president from Argentina. And while he does have a unique lifestyle... He literally went to the World Economic Forum and said that socialism is the worst thing and the Western world is the last safe haven against socialism and how dare socialism try to spread like a disease across the nation. So good on him for that. I'm looking forward to hearing his speech. They also had a great uh, the president of El Salvador speak on Thursday, I believe, at CPAC, which the media lost their minds over. He's a dictator. How dare he? He's violating human rights. 
when he's the only one in Central America that's actually declared war on the gangs and has arrested more than 70,000 MS-13 members and thrown them in jail. And now he's gone from the murder capital of the world, being El Salvador, to now the safest nation in Central America, which is kind of amazing. So uh, we'll play some of those clips later on if we get a chance to do so, and we'll talk about that at a later stint. We have that going on here in the state of Kansas. We have uh, primaries that are coming up here soon. In the month of March, we have the state preference, uh, presidential preference primary in the state of Kansas. Today is South Carolina's primary, so Donald Trump probably more than likely going to win that one, even in the home state of Nikki Haley, which he's up right now like 65 to 35, which just makes it easier for us to make our decision here in the state of Kansas to make our decision if Nikki Haley's even in the race by the point that uh, by the time that we get our primary here. In our state, however, there is a new party that it will potentially be on the ballot in the general election, which is the No Labels Party. Now, if you did not pay attention to the news this week, there was a fraud case of an individual that was arrested down in Florida for faking and forging a numerous amount of signatures that allowed the No Labels Party to actually be on the ballot in the state of Kansas. You have to get a certain amount of signatures, and apparently an individual down in Florida was uh, forging a lot of those signatures in order for us to meet that threshold in the state. Now, he has been arrested. However, the Secretary of State's office said that the No Labels Party will still be on the ballot here in Kansas, according to KSNT News, as the newly established party in Kansas will stay in place despite the reveal of the election fraud case uh, that happened with the organization. Now, the party may be on the ballot. We still don't know what the candidate will be. Joe Manchin apparently has declined the offer to run for president under the No Labels Party, and that was shortly after the announcement that if he ran, he would highly look at Mitt Romney being his running mate for that seat as well. So, obviously, that didn't get the best uh, positive response that he was looking for, and therefore he dropped out. And recognizing that there's no pathway to victory for a No Labels Party with a Democrat and a wannabe Republican running on a ticket together, when Mitt Romney saw one of the lowest Republican voter turnouts in 2012 when he ran against Barack Obama and Joe Manchin, while I do credit him for stopping some major policy agendas that the Biden and Democrats wanted over the past few years, doesn't mean that he actually had a pathway to victory to win over a whole bunch of blue dog Democrats, independents, and moderate Republicans. It just wasn't going to work. So uh, he's not going to run. So while we may have a no labels party on the ballot in Kansas, we don't know exactly what that candidate will be for president. As of yet, they have official, <laughs> they almost like put an indeed job out there saying that we're looking for extremely qualified candidates to run for president under our ticket because they don't know who exactly that's going to be yet. So we have that one. Uh, we'll see how elections turn out in Kansas. We are working, and I, I, I'm not going to announce anything yet here on the airways, but Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, we are working on a really big, cool launch to election season. We have an individual coming in for another book tour, one of our nationally syndicated talk radio hosts, and we're going to build upon that to make it into a bigger event as well for an election kickoff that we are really, really excited about. So that is coming up soon. We will make an announcement here soon as well as we start collecting some of the details and make that one happen. More deals and details to come on that. One of the other issues, which of course is always a fun one to talk about on this program, is something that happened-ish in the legislature this week where the legislature in the House was discussing the Controlled Substance Act list where they do their annual review. They add certain drugs to the list. They take certain drugs off the list. For the control, controlled substances in the state of Kansas. 
And during the conversation, they added a few more. They added like 20 more that were mostly fentanyl-related drugs or things where fentanyl could be laced to them as we try to control some of these uh, this fentanyl outbreak that's devastating and decimating our state and really the entire country in the Mid-America region. But during this conversation... The concept of marijuana came up and Democrats tried to propose another amendment to remove marijuana off of the controlled substance list because while we do this push or at least have the conversation about legalizing marijuana in some type of manner, medical, eventually recreational, if we end up going down that road in some way or fashion, then we need to remove it off off of the controlled substance list. And after some heated conversation, that got shot down again. So all of the marijuana advocates, and we have a lot of them that listen to the program, and you're more than welcome to call in and give your input on this one. It sounds like that we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see any traction or movement on this topic in the state of Kansas because it was not removed off of the controlled substance list, which means it's still matching the federal government, which means it's still a highly controlled substance, meaning it's a class one or whatever they classify it as, which means they say it's extremely dangerous. Regardless of what you think of marijuana, I think that's a little excessive. I mean, personally, to have it on that type of insanely highly regulated controlled substance list. But, you know, that's the way we're at right now in the state of Kansas. So if you're looking to try and see this progression on legalization of marijuana in some fashion, probably not going to happen this year, especially with that vote to keep it on the controlled substance list. In the state, we'll talk about that with Nick Holheisel, state representative, coming up next hour. But uh, I want to get your thoughts on all these and more. So there you go. A lot of things thrown out on the table for you with things that happen across the state and the legislature for sure uh, this week. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255. I do want to talk about the tax bill as well, uh, where apparently four Republicans ended up voting against it enough to not allow the veto override. A few of them that had voted for the bill initially and then changed their vote after having a conversation with a few individuals from the Senate side that are also Republican that convinced them to not vote for tax cuts for the state of Kansas. I see that as a betrayal of your Republican values. I see that as a betrayal of your conservative principles. And anybody that votes against a tax cut in the state should probably be removed. And I call upon the state Republican Party right now which they're in their own shambles, so they're probably not going to do anything anyways. But as the Republican Party in the state of Mich- or I'm sorry, the state of Wyoming ended up stripping their Republicanism from Liz Cheney, I think it's time we start doing that from a couple of our state reps and state legislators here in Kansas as well if they vote against a tax cut that could benefit everybody in the state. So we'll get to some of that and more. Lines are lit up across the board here, so let's go to the phone, shall we? Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, I don't know. Um, one of the topics that you missed is the fact that the uh, Board of Education is going to close yes. seven schools. And one of those schools are going to close, which is Hadley, and that is one of the most sacred places on earth for me and many, many of our friends. Mm. And so uh, this is the way I feel. When these Board of Education people come up for a vote, I don't care who their opponent is. I'm going to vote for their opponent because I'm going to vote them out because they not only stabbed me in the back, but they stabbed many of my friends in the back by voting to close Hadley. The deal of it is, I don't know what in the world they've been doing with their money, but by closing these schools, there are 
thousands of individuals that this is going to affect, and they need to stop it. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought gonna, that up. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Frederick. That was another topic I wanted to mention today as well, because they are looking at closing close to six schools across the Wichita Public School area. Seven uh, schools. Seven schools now after, yeah, the conversation. And there are a lot of very upset people. And the whole point, they say, is they're trying to preserve the budget because they're seeing a shortfall. They're seeing a lower amount of students registering for school. And remember, we do have open enrollment coming up in the fall as well, so people can move school districts to where they want to. But talk about the history of Hadley. What's the what's the significance to that school particularly? Okay, uh, back in okay Hadley uh, was built back in nineteen oh about nineteen fifty eight from the first the fall of fifty eight, and uh, kids from all over uh, like John Marshall and some other schools like Mayberry they went to Hadley. And Hadley, uh, we all got together, and we all became friends, and it's a beautiful school, and we just absolutely fell in love with it. Now, that has been, uh, I go to dinner once a month with many, 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 many Hadley um, individuals that have gone to Hadley. And let me tell you something, Um, we're going to vote those suckers out. Mm -hmm. They stabbed us in the back, Andy. And I'm supposed to be a conservative Republican, but I don't care. When you take away one of the most sacred places on earth for me, you're going to feel it. And that's exactly, I know you haven't heard me talk like this this before, and you've never heard me talk against um, some of the people that are on the school board that are Republican. But by God, what they're doing, unless they reverse it, they're going to hit the wrath of many, many, many. Yeah. People. Well, uh, yeah, we are working on getting one of the school board. We'll probably have a school board member on the show next week to talk about some of this. And we're going to ask them some of the questions about why they're doing it and and kind of break it down for us, because there is a lot of pushback. Uh, I Here's the thing. When we've talked to and we haven't done it for a while, so we probably need to get them back on as well. But when we've talked to the Candace Policy Institute, they've talked about the amount of money that's sitting in their safety net or their reserve funds for the public school district, which Wichita and and Kansas City, obviously, are the ones that have the most amount of money sitting in just random coffers just sitting there while they complain about not having enough money. So is that true? I want to talk to a school board member and see if that is the case. Then the question comes to why we're closing schools and why we're choosing these particular schools to close. At the same time, we're not laying off any of the teachers. We're just moving them to different schools as well. So we're still having one of the biggest expenses of the school district, which is the salary and the benefits for teachers that we're not losing. We're just moving them to other places. We're just getting rid of the cost of maintenance of a couple of particular buildings. So why those are intriguing to me to see why those are the ones they chose to actually close. Now, uh, another school they're going to close is Cleveland. And I drove past Cleveland uh, this morning because I was getting out and about in the morning, and my grandkids went there. And, Andy, if you look at Cleveland, you're going to say, you know what, that looks like a school that's just been built during the past 10 years. Mm. But So we spent millions of dollars thing, to build these buildings, and then we're not going to use them and just, you just like, shut them down. All right. Well, you tell that school board member that, as far as I'm concerned, they are stabbing me and a lot of people in the back, and we supported them. And look what they've done to us. They just stabbed us in the back. Yeah. I know you haven't heard me talk like this before, but, Andy, when, it's some, when a building is very sacred, sure. to, it's, uh, hey, 
I, I mean, that's it. just the way it is. I get and it. And I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Andy, if I'm against some of the people that you love. But, hey, I tell you what, um, yeah. you know, they're good. They're going to feel it. They're going to feel it. I get they it. They are going to feel it. I get it. I, hey, I hate to cut you off. I got to take a break. You're running late on a break, but I appreciate that. I, I can feel the passion, Frederick. I get it. And we'll talk to some of them. We'll figure out what the heck's going on and get their input and explain why they're making the decisions that they're making. So I appreciate that, Frederick. Got to take a break here. Uh, more calls 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We got lots more coming up. Stay right here. Twenty-six minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. Wichita's Big Talker KQAM plus our friends out in Garden City, Kansas KIUL. Good morning to you. Welcome aboard. Thanks again to hanging out with us on another Saturday morning. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I feel the passion, Frederick. I get it. Now, according to Cake, we said six, seven schools, whatever they're closing. According to Cake News, they're saying six schools across the area, most of them elementary schools in the area. However, like you said, there is a lot of uh, fired up people, not just because of the history of some of these school buildings, but also just because of some of the locations of where they're at. According to Cake News, with, with during one of the parent hearing conferences that they had earlier this week, a lot of very angry people coming out saying, quote, if this goes through, the city of Wichita will not remember you guys for what you've done or the good things that you've done, but will remember you for failing all of the poor children in the community. So depending on where these schools are that are actually closing, it will be uh, interesting to see. Now, again, remember, we have an open open enrollment starting in the fall, which means... You don't have to stick with the local district that you're in. You can go to any school district that you essentially want to if you're willing to travel, willing to take your kid there for potential better opportunities, which is a good thing. That's what's called competition, and that is a good move. Other school districts, including rural school districts, I would highly recommend that some look at because of the fact that, you know, probably the, the quality is there. And if they see a little bit of a bump in enrollment, then they can keep their doors open. We don't have to keep consolidating to the bigger school districts like the city of Wichita and other places, not taking anything away from Wichita. But, you know, you get to keep some of the rural communities open because right now the biggest argument and the biggest concern has been rural school districts across the state that have actually been closing. If you remember the central school district that's right in the middle of the state, they've had to close doors, and now they are scattered between like four or five different school districts that are around that area as well because they're trying to keep their doors open, and it's just not working very well. We had the amazing school up in the Newton area that was more of kind of like a life hands-on thing for kids in the elementary and middle school levels that would teach them agriculture, that would teach them hands-on in the in the garden, that would teach them how to survive, teach them. Why would we close a school like that? They had to close. Why? Because no students were going there, and they didn't have enough to keep the doors open. There are tons of schools. The school district that I'm in, for a little voice of reason, it's very small. Her fourth grade class is nine students. Guess what? To me, those opportunities would seem way better than a class that has 50 students in it or at least a school that has, you know, four different fourth grade classes, each of them with 20 students in there, because do you really get that personal one on one? I love the small schools. My school wasn't quite that small, but it was pretty small growing up as well. I had about 100 students in the entire grade for my graduating class, so it was still relatively small. But I love that. I think that's a huge opportunity. So open enrollment is coming. So the school, the school buildings the school district's probably looking at those and saying, hey, you know, they're not 
succeeding. They're not doing well. We are apparently starting to get short on cash, which I'd like to question and would like to a little bit see a little bit more information on on that information. But uh, that we're not doing well, and that we need to be more competitive. So let's go ahead and drop off the really bad ones per se. I'm not saying they are bad, but in their eyes, maybe that's what they're looking at. And let's find a way to consolidate ourselves just a little bit here. Is that the case? I don't know. We're going to bring on some school board members and talk about it and see what the heck's going on. Because we need to get some answers and see why the heck we're seeing schools close. Whether it's because of the history, because of the quality, because of the neighborhood, whatever those cases may be. But at the end of the day, we have to create some better competition. So... Bigger conversation that we'll continue to have here on the program. Appreciate that very much. 316-721-8255. All right, when we come back, we'll take a break. We'll shift gears. Uh, Elizabeth Patton, Americans for Prosperity, state director. She'll be joining us to talk about the failed veto override on the tax bill. Looks like you're seeing some higher taxes for a while here in the state. Stay here. Number one in talk radio. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Wichita's number one in conservative talk radio. There's not any other competition out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Dominating the airwaves and local conservative talk each and every week. So wonderful to have you with us. Welcome into it. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Also, our friends out in Garden City, KIUL, broadcasting with us as well. So wonderful to have you with us. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Of course, as I get ready to go back on, my Facebook Live computer feels like wanting to glitch out on me, so I can't really change the graphic right now. So you're going to get just the main graphic, but we are still broadcasting on there. You can always watch us on the Facebook Live at facebook.com slash 1480KQAM as well. All right, I want to shift gears. Let's go back up to Topeka for a moment as we talk about the week in the state legislature and what a week it was. Was it successful? Did we did we do something? No, no, I'm sorry. All right. As we fail, not just in the Senate, which is what we were concerned about with potential one or two votes shy in the Senate to override Governor Kelly's veto on the tax bill. Oh, no, we end up shocking ourselves by fighting amongst ourselves, among the Republican Party, by even Republicans turning and voting against a tax cut veto override from Kansas Governor Laura Kelly to talk about some of that and more. Happy to have back on the program. She's the state director for Americans for Prosperity. It's Elizabeth Patton with us here. Elizabeth, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing all right. How are you? We are good, although I got to say I'm a bit frustrated and shocked. What in the world? How, how can we pass it easily in the House the first time? Then we have a veto, and we go to override the veto, and then we have three or four Republicans actually turn away and vote against it. Like, what happened here? Uh, this is a great question that I would like to have additional conversations with, <laughs> with each one of them separately. Um, but from what we understand, uh, they had a myriad of reasons that really just boiled down to honestly, selfishness and not wanting to give Kansans a tax break or wanting to stick it to leadership, which was the exact same issue that we saw in the Senate last year when people put themselves and their political games and petty politics, I don't know, 
uh, pettiness over passing policy for really every candidate, excuse me, every candidate family. So this is not a vote for policy one way or the other. This is a drama filled, um, I guess, daycare, essentially, where we have some that are doing it despite leadership because they don't like the leadership instead of actually what's best for the Kansas people. That's absolutely right. You have four of these folks who voted yes on the underlying bill. And uh, all four of one of the Republicans voted no initially. He actually voted yes last year, but he's voted no on everything from tax cuts to educational freedom to Second Amendment rights. And, you know, I, you know, we have questions. But uh, the other four had voted in favor of this bill several times. So we see the same thing playing out as we saw in the Senate. And at the end of the day, um, made that switch purely out of pettiness. And I just, I'm so, the reason someone should be an elected official is to serve their constituents and serve the people of our state. But if you were going to end up in the state house and let personal squabbles dictate major policy for the state you live in, then you probably don't need to be an elected official. Yeah, absolutely. So did the House know this going into the vote or was there like a big gasp and ah moment when when the votes actually happened? You know, I think that would be a verification for uh, for the speaker. But my understanding is that that was not that was not the expectation. So (laughs) I don't think that really grown up conversations were had with leadership or anybody else going into this vote. Uh, and instead, uh, the dramatics ensued. That is unfortunate. Now, I'm even more surprised, not only the fact that they turned like that for personal reasons and for a personal vendetta and drama in the state house, but at the same time, it's an election year, Elizabeth, which means that Republicans having a vote against a tax cut bill in election season makes it all that more surprising to me when they're supposed to be campaigning about how conservative they are doing tax cuts for people. That bill was one of the best tax bills we've seen in a long time. And so instead of standing on principle and voting for something that, I mean, let's be honest, they they said Adam Smith, the taxpayer, said on the House floor, he actually double-checked his math, and instead of the over 300,000 Kansans that would have had zero tax liability under this bill, it was actually well over 450,000 Kansans under the tax bill. First of all, we can afford it. Second of all, because... We've talked about the budget surplus, but second of all, almost half a million Kansans, Andy, would have had very little to no tax liability uh, for income tax under this bill. On top of that, it covers property taxes, at least the amount that the state can control. Obviously, most of that's on the local level, but still, it attacks property taxes. It helps senior citizens with Social Security taxes. It eliminated the grocery sales tax on the state level all the way to zero. I mean, I just don't get it. It was shocking to me. Um, And yeah, you're right. You know, the good thing about it being an election year is that I think most of them, if not all, by the end of the next couple of weeks. Oh, I think we lost. Did Did we lose you, Elizabeth? Did you lose me? There we go. There we go. You cut. There you go. You cut out for a moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yes. I think they're coming after you now. Yeah. It's uh, that you're. I I agree. I'm assuming that you were going to say that because of this. I'm assuming they're probably going to have some primary challengers by uh, by the time that the that deadline approaches. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
It's already started. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because right now, and this just goes on top of the concern I have uh, with Kansas. With thank God right now that we are stable on the grassroots level from what you guys are doing. Because right now, I have to admit, Americans for Prosperity is probably the most stable Republican conservative organization we have in the state our state republican party is in shambles right now they're in debt apparently we're apparently six seven thousand dollars in the red when we were promised to be close to a million or two in the green by this time for election season that's not happening we have republicans that are turning on each other for petty reasons right now i'm concerned going into these elections this year in 2024 so thank god we're gonna have some primary challengers but it just muddies the water when we should be spending resources the little that we have against the other side of the aisle as opposed to trying to fight against ourselves right now. Absolutely. When the focus needs to be on showing that Laura Kelly, who has vetoed 20 tax cuts, is the one who is preventing tax relief for Kansans, why on earth would Republicans who claim to stand on principle side with Laura Kelly and put us in this position? It's untenable. But to your point, we're ready for it, and we have – volunteers and staff uh, working hard already and making sure that we're educating folks and getting um, in a position for us to, you know, it's about having a policy champions, uh, regardless of the, at this point, regardless of the uh, letter behind your name, because apparently, as we all know, we can't trust it. So we need to look for people who really will do what they say they're going to do and stand on principle, and we're ready to fight for them. Yeah, well, amen to that, because like I said, I trust you guys more than I do our state party right now, and we can start seeing it by the infighting that we're seeing with many candidates. So what's the next step on taxes? I know that there's a few other bills that are floating out there, kind of, uh, Senate Bill 196 that does the uh, to, that lowers local property taxes, House Bill 2036, House Bill 2687. There's a few of them, but this bill was essentially all of these tax bills condensed into one that included the single flat tax rate in the state of Kansas, according to Senate President Ty Masterson, he said he's not going to pass any tax bill unless that flat tax is included. So is our taxes done this year? Or are we going to do another shot at this before the end of the session? Well, I would like to do another shot at this before the end of the session. I would like to make sure that Kansans get tax relief. The, the thing is that these pieces that were in the tax compromise bill were great. But the thing that gives us the most economic boost and that gives people more money, gives everybody an instant pay raise, is what? It's income tax relief. And that piece of it, um, we have seen surrounding states, um, even Colorado, gosh, they have a much lower income tax rate than us. And when we look at that, we look at businesses wanting to come here and the growth of our economy long term, that is the best opportunity we have to get the most bang for our buck um, on tax reform. And so, Ty Masterson's right. That is the smartest thing for us to do. Um, And including those other provisions helps as well because we know how much money we've got in the state coffers to give back to the people. Uh, But he's right. We should stay and make sure that it is income tax relief that people get so that everybody gets relief, not just a few people that Laura Kelly is picking and choosing. Yeah, amen to that. Are you seeing good, viable candidates that are stepping up and wanting to challenge these guys that ended up voting against this tax bill? We do. Uh, There appeared to be one who filed even perhaps uh, yesterday or Thursday. So um, I think we will continue to see more of that over the coming uh, days and even weeks. 
Uh, and I think we will see much stronger alternatives in each one of those districts. Ooh, that would be nice. I would love to see it. And I'm sure, I, uh, do you have the names of these individuals? I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me here, but do you have the name? Let's go ahead and give it out for those that aren't aware. Well, uh, the, the one that has filed, uh, so Katie Bowers has filed uh, in House District 4. Um, so she has filed. Um, we also have former Representative Marty Long, um, he filed a couple of weeks ago um, after the initial vote, no, uh, against David Younger. Um, and I think that there will be other folks filing uh, pretty shortly here. So we yeah. can make sure we have some principled folks who are, are ready to, to fight and not let personal personal things get get in the way of cloud their judgment yeah so. that's what we got to do i don't know what the personal vendetta is i am extremely happy with our leadership right now with dan hawkins and ty masterson there's a few things i wish they would address but outside of that i think they're doing a fantastic job and i got to admit in elizabeth i don't know if you can confirm this or not as well but i have not seen the leadership in the both chambers work so closely together as i have with past leadership as well, which I think is very beneficial if we could get the rest of the Republican Party and the caucus on board with actually working together. Then we'd have essentially a single chamber working together fighting against Governor Kelly. I know. That's what's bananas over the years. These two leaders that we have and, and the others that are with them, our majority leaders, everybody, like they are such a strong team and they have done so much for conservative policies in Kansas to fight for the right things and been effective. And like, nobody's perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect, but they've been so intentional and, and really some of the strongest leaders I've seen. And I spend a lot of time even uh, listening to some of my colleagues around other states. And I, I think we're really, we're blessed in Kansas to have people like Ty Masterson and Dan Hawkins, Chris Croft and uh, Larry Alley and those guys. And, and it's just a real shame. And, you know, it makes you wonder maybe these, Maybe these folks wish they had been in leadership, but they didn't quite get there. So, you know, it's like this isn't junior high. This is this is real life, folks. So um, I'm really grateful for the leaders we have and the work that they're doing. And uh, I will support their efforts to continue to push for the right policies for Kansas. Amen to that. we got a lot of work to do, and hopefully we can do one more stab at this uh, before the end of the session. But it is a devastating blow to us. Now, we're still going to see the sales tax on groceries end at the end of this year, but this could have ended it right. immediately, which would have been nice, right. along with all the other tax cuts that we would have seen. But nope, apparently Republic a few Republicans don't want to see that actually happen. It's Elizabeth Patton, uh, State Director for Americans for Prosperity. If people want more information on you guys, Elizabeth, how can they do so? Uh, find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can go to americansforprosperity.org and check out our website as well. But for a lot of our most up-to-date state policies, find us on social media and engage with us and help spread the word to your communities about uh, how we can make a difference for our state. There it is. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I, I appreciate everything you guys are doing across the state, all of your different town halls, all of your different rallies that you're doing. It's showing that people are excited. And you guys are more organized right now than our state Republican Party. So God bless you. And I'm excited. We have some. We're not doing any announcements yet, but I'm excited to work with you guys here soon with KQAM Radio and uh, some big uh, election rallies that we're planning here soon as well. So Elizabeth, Absolutely. we'll be chatting soon. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Always a pleasure there. Elizabeth Patton, Americans for Prosperity. We'll take a break. Wrap up hour number one. Get your thoughts on this. Republicans sabotaging our own plans for tax cuts in the state. Shocker, right? <laughs> we'll do some more of that. State Representative Nick Holheiser will be joining us around the corner at the top of the hour as well. It's Kansas Talk right here. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. I believe you like I always 
Welcome back into it. Last few minutes here of hour number one, Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks again to Elizabeth Patton, Americans for Prosperity. Prosperityispossible.com. You can check out their website. So we shot down the immediate tax cuts here in the state of Kansas. We're stalling ourselves because of a few holdout Republicans in our legislature. But I want to go south of the border a little bit, if you know what I mean, as uh, one of our great listeners, listener Scott, sending me this one uh, down in the state of Oklahoma, which we have not talked about Oklahoma issues in a while. And I think it's about time we get one of our legislators down in Oklahoma back on the program because it has been a little bit. But apparently they just passed their own bill to get rid of sales tax on groceries in the state of Oklahoma. As according to KOCO Channel 5, that they have given up uh, that they've given up their four and a half percent sales tax on groceries as well. That passed through earlier this week on Thursday. The governor set to sign the bill, and that will go in effect in August of this year. So, boom, they're all <laughs> they're already going to supersede us. They're just going to fast track it and just be done with their sales tax on groceries by August of this year after the signature of Governor Kevin Stitt in that great state. So good good for you. I applaud you, my friends. Kudos, because you get it. You're actually doing the right thing. We'll get there. Apparently, ours is going to take effect in January because we didn't want to do it immediately because the governor vetoed it after saying she wanted to get it done. She advocated for it. Then she was like, yeah, I'm going to veto the Republicans' bill because I don't want Republicans to get credit for it, along with the other taxes that they get. You need to compromise and work together with me, a.k.a. give me everything I want, but you're not allowed to have anything that you want. And that's the term of compromise in today's times. I'm still waiting. I'm going to reach out again to Governor Kelly's office. I highly doubt she will come on this program because they've actually reached out before and asked if they could. And I said, absolutely. And then they never got back to me once they found out who I was. So uh, you're more than welcome to come on the program and talk. But I'm going to ask you on why you say that we need to work in the middle of the road but then veto anything Republicans want because you don't like their agenda. So I'm not sure how that's working across the aisle and compromising, and I don't know that she'll have a good answer for that, other than, of course, they're radical and it's the brownback policy and it's just nutso and every other argument that they make. But yet, Oklahoma now being able to sign their tax bill and getting rid of sales tax on food. There are only about six states in the nation right now that have sales tax on food. And why we tax something that is... Um, essential for, I don't know, survivability is a little insane to me, but we do that and we're slowly working our way out of that one. But we got to that point because the government needs revenue and the government doesn't like to lose revenue. That's why Governor Kelly vetoed this tax bill. While she advocated for it, she can always throw it back and say, well, Republicans went too extreme. We're going back to the brownback experiments. Those evil brownbackers in the state, how dare they try to reinvent that brownback tax experiment that failed miserably? when we're sitting on like $300 billion in our coffers right now for the state of Kansas, instead of giving that back to the people and allowing us to have tax cuts to, I don't know, reinvest in the economy to see the economy grow, she just wants to veto that. And then we have our own Republicans that are fighting against it. Where's our state Republican Party right now? Where are you? Mike Brown, where is your statement? Here's my calling out to you right now. Where is your statement on Republicans voting against a tax veto override to allow tax cuts in the state where's our state republican party calling out these republicans where's our state republican party that is calling them out and putting pressure on them and saying that how dare you say and claim you're a republican when you do this for personal reasons to fight against your own republican legislative leaders because you want to spite them where is our party keeping the structure and keeping the organization in our state party with our elected officials where the hell are you you're nowhere to be seen. 
because you're too busy squabbling, you're too busy trying to have a power grab, trying to kick uh, minority groups off of state committees because you want the complete control for whatever reason, that you're not doing your fundraising like you promised to do during a major election season in 2024. Our state Republican Party is broken and essentially irrelevant. And the only way this is going to change is by you and I, the, t- the voters, going out and making a change. And those districts will have the names for those that voted against this tax bill. And you need to put pressure on them. You need to call their offices. And if we don't have a primary challenger in the race right now, it's about time that we get somebody in there because we're done. We're done with Republicans pretending to be Republicans and then sabotaging our own agenda. We're over it. No more. Done with that crap. There it is. My event of the days. State Representative Nicole Heisel coming up right around the corner here. On Kansas Talk, we'll talk about this bill. We'll talk about some of the other things that happen in the legislature this week as well as we get closer to the end of session 2024. Stay right here on Kansas Talk. Fighting for freedom every day. The voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. But this is going to be another scare tactic to say, oh, look, our children are vulnerable. It's time to start repealing the Second Amendment or at least putting some more gun regulations into effect. Common sense gun reform, uh, what are the universal background checks, red flag laws, all these talking points and nice little hashtags that people try to use that do absolutely nothing to keep you safe. Live at 4 p.m. right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. This is the Big Talker KQAM, your home for live talk radio all day long. Todd Starnes, weekdays 2 to 4. But a lot of these people up on Capitol Hill, they are, um, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? They are little soft creatures. Their egos are fragile, thin-skinned. And I think Nikki Haley is one of them. You know, she talks a good talk, uh, especially in the campaign. How dare you? How dare you mention my daughter? And your national broadcast of The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Which apparently there are a massive number of states that are pushing this now as kind of a orchestrated effort among different states and Democrats all over the country that are trying to push to raise minimum wage because of so many that are coming out of the wor- uh, coming out of college with student loans and not being able to afford living. America's favorite talk radio shows are only on The Big Talker, KQAM. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. What's up? Welcome into it. It is our number two of Kansas Talk right here. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, 1480 on that AM dial. If you have that smart radio, you can also tune into us on the FM at 99.7 HD4. Listen to us there. Plus, our friends out in Garden City, Kansas. I have not forgotten about you, my friends. Uh, Garden City's Big Talker, KIUL. 1240 on that AM dial as well. Welcome aboard. Good Saturday morning to you. Starting off another day, hour number two, ready to rock and roll because we got so much more to talk about. What an hour that we covered in the first one. We have the Wichita Public School District closing six to seven school buildings. We have open enrollment starting here soon for the fall semester. Are you moving school districts because you have that opportunity to do so now? Creating a little bit of competition. Something that teachers unions don't necessarily like. We'll get uh, get into that here in just a little bit. So welcome aboard there. Also, of course, our big tax bill that we had in the legislature causing a big hoopla. I would have 
loved or hated, I'm not sure which one, to have been a fly on the wall during that vote with some of the Republican legislators that have turned and voted against the tax bill override of Governor Kelly's veto earlier this week. To talk about some of that and more, let's get right to it as we get right to the phones. Uh, back happy to have with us here on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, uh, as he is from District Number 97. Uh, haven't had him on in a while. Good to have him back on the program, uh, State Representative Nick Heisel. Nick, what's going on, brother? How are we doing? Hey, Andy. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while, but I'm glad to be back on. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to chat with you and so much to talk about. You guys have been busy. I know one of the days this week, you guys had like 50 or 60 bills that you were discussing uh, in one day. Yeah, so... Um, Wednesday, we actually had 43 bills above the line for debate, which I've been up there six years now. That That's the most I've ever had in a day. I think that may be a record. And mm-hmm. we followed it up with another uh, 27 Thursday for a total of uh, 70 bills. Yeah. Wow. Good golly. And uh, are they all big ones or are they like, let's stop daylight savings time in Kansas? Like, uh, are they... <laughs> you know, there, there were some big ones uh, that are definitely going to be impactful to Kansans. Uh, there's also small ones um, kind of changing things a little bit, clarifications on past legislation we've passed. But um, definitely some big ones in there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the big one that, of course, is all the rave right now to talk about is, of course, this failed veto override. We expected it to be an easy vote in the House and then come up short, maybe a vote or two in the Senate, which is what we were uh, trying to focus all all of our attention on. And then all of a sudden we have this shock and awe system where we see, what, four different Republicans end up voting against this, shutting down the veto override. What happened? Was this expected or was this kind of the, the gasp moment when the votes were read on the House floor? Yeah, so, it was, yeah, it was uh, five Republicans that, that voted the other way. Um, we knew ahead of time that there were going to be a couple of the more, I'll, I'll be friendly and say moderate Republicans who are not going to be with us on this issue. But we felt that we still had, if we had all the conservatives and all the common sense, uh, traditional Republicans, we would be good. Um, unfortunately, there were a few folks on the very conservative side of, of our party um, that felt like it was an opportunity for them to play games, uh, so to say. And they went the other way. And, uh, yeah, we came up a couple of votes short. Um, very disappointing, uh, to say the least. The question I have is why. I mean, I know they wanted to play games. I, I've heard that it's more of a, a personal matter between them and leadership wanting to kind of stick it to the man, yeah. essentially. But why? When, it, when you're an elected official and you voted for in the past, you voted for tax cuts, yeah. You're you're seriously, yep. literally willing to not allow people to have lower tax rates because you want to stick it to someone you don't like who's who's leading yeah. it. I don't understand yeah. that process. Yeah, and we've seen it in the Senate uh, play out last year and this year already. We thought, you know, in the House we had a a pretty good caucus. Um, we pretty much were on the same page on on the majority of issues. Um, like I said, and, and I think there's a there's a distinct difference here. The more moderate members that went the other way. I think they truly believe what the, I think they're wrong, but I think they truly believe that their reasonings were correct, that they don't think we can afford it. This is back to brown back. They're wrong, but I think they actually believe that. Yeah. The the conservatives that went the other way. Yeah, it was all about games. It was all about stick it to, sticking it to leadership. Um, and it's disappointing that taxpayers in my district are going to suffer because they chose this vote when they knew the margins were pretty thin to play games and get back at leadership over, you know, anything that's happened in the past. Um, it's just, it, it is disappointing. 
It is unfortunate. What are, I mean, not to oust anybody on this program, but what are the names of these conservatives? Like you said, the moderates, there's nothing we can do. We already know that they're yeah. there. They're going to be sticklers on our side. But the name of the conservatives who ended up switching, who are they? What, what are we dealing so, with here? So it was representing Trevor Jacobs. Um, he, he represents a district in southeast Kansas. Um, and, and Trevor, you know, I, I like Trevor, Trevor, Trevor's a good guy. Um, it, I don't know what, and he originally voted yes on the bill and he actually originally voted yes on this, this vote we had Tuesday for the override. Um, and then decided halfway through to go up to the well and change his vote to vote. No. Um, the second one is, is our good friend, Randy Garber from Sebetha, and you may know Randy Garber as Dennis Pyle for governor's treasurer <laughs> when Dennis Pyle ran as an independent um, to basically siphon votes off Derek Schmidt to help Laura Kelly get elected. Yeah. So um, not uh, only did Dennis, or I'm sorry, uh, Randy Garber help Laura Kelly get reelected, um, and then Laura Kelly vetoed our tax bill, then Randy Garber helped sustain Lori Kelly's veto of our tax bill. Yeah. So that's a, a double whammy, as yeah. we call it. It is, un- it is very unfortunate. So what's the next step, do you think? I know that there's a couple other potential tax bills floating out there, yeah. but I know that Senate President Ty Masterson, I'm assuming Dan Hawkins, have said the same thing on your side, that we're not going to pass any other tax bills unless there is the flat tax that's included. So is there a chance for another shot at this tax stuff before the end of the session, or is this dead for this year, yeah. do you think? Yeah, and I, and I serve on the House Tax Committee. Um, I, I Again, we'll take another shot at it. We may tweak some things, have some conversations with, you know, and at this point, do we need to have conversations with the governor's office to see what they will sign? If we can't get these Republicans back on board, do we need to find some maybe more moderate Democrats and have conversations with them about, uh, what they would want to see in order for us to override a veto from the governor. Um, all options are on the table now. All discussions um, are ongoing. Uh, it's just we cannot adjourn this year with a record surplus yeah. of your money, Andy, my money, um, Kansas money, your listeners' money, sitting in a bank account and not giving them the tax relief they need. Yeah. That would be an abomination. What is the amount of money sitting in the cash reserves for the state right now? So right now we have about $1.4 billion surplus. <laughs> we also have a $1.5-ish billion rainy day fund, which is fine. Uh, you know, we need a rainy day fund. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the arguments about folks arguing that this is back to Brownback. Uh, during the Brownback tax experiment, there was no rainy day fund. We have a $1.5 billion rainy day fund to weather any recession that's coming up. And that's just good fiscal policy. That's good fiscal management. Yeah. But then we also have another almost billion and a half in a surplus that's just sitting there. And the governor, you know, she in her budget, she's spending $1.4 billion of that surplus just on pet projects. And our budget, which is fiscally responsible, you know, we cut that all those pet projects out. Uh, we got that surplus still sitting there and we want to use that for tax relief. Yeah, exactly. We're talking with State Representative Nick Heisel, District Number 97 here in the Wichita area. Do you get a chance to talk to the governor at all? I know that there were stories back in the day that when Governor Brownback was in office that he would roam the legislative hallways and talk to legislators and what can I do to help and that sort of thing. And I haven't heard those stories about Governor Kelly and especially with how 
She literally went out to Kansas State University just a week or so ago at a banquet and said how we need to start working together and be more moderate. I would assume that she's out there working with you guys to try and find a happy medium ground between the two. (laughs) I can say that, you know, I've been up there six years. All six of the years have been with Laura Kelly as governor. I can say in six years, I've probably had three conversations with the governor (laughs) and all those conversations were a minute or two and they were in passing and they were more of a greeting. Um, I've had some conversations with some of her staffers. So, and and that's fine as well. But at the end of the day, I'm elected. The governor is elected. You like hearing things coming from the governor and having those discussions with the governor face to face without having to funnel it through staffers who may not give the governor the entire story of the conversation. Yeah. Man, what a time. Uh, and, and as far as, as, far as Rome in the hallways, no, I never see a Rome in the hallways. Absolutely never see a Rome in the hallways. No, she just never. sits in her office on the on the executive side. That's that's nice. Oh, good to hear. I'm glad, scrolls, that, I'm glad that she's she, open and she available. Scrolls, she scrolls Twitter all day, I've heard. <laughs> well, a proper use of taxpayer money for her salary, I guess. Uh, <laughs> let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about one of the other big issues that happened this uh, week, which was the discussion on the Controlled Substance Act list. Uh, here in the state. Obviously, you guys do this every year. You review it, and you essentially mirror what happens at the federal level. And I know you guys added a decent amount of new uh, drugs on this controlled substance list because of fentanyl and some of the other things as well. But uh, obviously, the conversation came up about marijuana, which has always been a big one. I know that was one of your focuses when you ran for office as well uh, with marijuana in the state. And we shot down the ability to potentially remove that from the controlled substances. Talk about this conversation. Yeah, so yeah, you're exactly right on uh, when we uh, went and we updated our drug schedule. Uh, we added 35 new substances. 23 of those are fentanyl-related substances with what's going on in our communities right now. Um, the Democrats in a, a rushed process to get uh, a gotcha vote on certain Republicans in swing districts uh, brought an amendment forth that was poorly crafted um, that would have de- uh, descheduled marijuana um, something that I'm in favor of, um, the concept at least. And it would have only been statewide, though. Of course, it still would have been Schedule 1 uh, federally. Yeah. However, this amendment was so rushed and poorly crafted that while they did deschedule marijuana, it did not deschedule marijuana paraphernalia, uh, which obviously you need in order to use marijuana. Um, this amendment was more, I mean, the Democrats knew this amendment wasn't going anywhere, uh, even if it got attached. Uh, it would have been stripped out on the Senate side. It would have been stripped out in conference committee. It would have gone absolutely nowhere. Um, I, I appreciate that they brought it as far as wanting the discussion this year on, on marijuana. Um, I've been a tad frustrated or greatly frustrated, actually, with the Senate and their lack of, of involvement in trying to uh, craft a medical marijuana plan here in Kansas. I was a supporter of the medical marijuana plan we passed out of the House a couple of years ago, yeah. and the House stance is still there. Uh, we're ready and willing to to pass a medical marijuana plan. Um, the Senate has not give us, given us any indication that they plan on doing that this year, or even if we pass them a medical marijuana plan to even take it up, hear it, and, and vote on it. So it, it's frustrating. Um, I, I What would, what I would, a, what would the medical side okay. look like? What would the medical bill look like if you guys were able to move forward with this? You know, there's a, there's a few different proposals right now. There was a proposal uh, 
running around a rumor running around the halls of one that would be more of a pilot medical pilot program um, that would have got this started. There's always a debate over, you know, how, who, who distributes it? Is it pharmaceutical? Do you have to go to a pharmacy? Are you able to go to a dispensary? Um, I mean, there's tons of, there's, and, and that's wrong with this, uh, descheduling amendment that the Democrats brought that, well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with them, but also like, let's talk about the functionality of doing this in a rush process with an amendment on the House floor without anything else in the amendment other than, oh, this is just descheduled. Yeah. Um, it's such a broader conversation that needs to be had on it because it impacts a lot of things. Sure. So, um, again, you know, I'm, I'm ready and willing to help out however I can to craft a medical marijuana plan in Kansas. Um, unfortunately, like I said, the Senate has given us no indication that they even want to touch that issue this year, which, again, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in. I thought at the beginning of the year we actually had some momentum to get something done this year, um, and I was told that the Senate was interested in it. And once we got up to Topeka, that, that building, it changes people, and they've indicated to us that they have no interest this year. Very strange. I know it's a popular thing. Yeah. That, uh, every poll shows that uh, people at least want to have the conversation yeah. about it on what that end goal may actually look like, you know, is up for debate. Yeah. But, you know, people want to have the conversation and it's an election year, too, which means people would really yeah. want to be on the board having a record of voting one way or the other on this issue, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, I represent a Republican district and I've ha- I have Republicans in my district that reach out to me about this issue. This is one of their top issues. It's, you know, don't take my guns and and legalized medical marijuana. I've had veterans, conservative veterans, that have reached out to me pleading that we do something on this because they don't want to go on opioids. Yeah, You know, they want to find relief. They don't want to go on opioids. They don't want to get hooked on that crap. So they would rather do medical marijuana. And again, you have 40 senators on the other side of the building who just won't touch it, won't take it up. Wow. I, I've kind of gone to the neutral position on it from just kind of being the observer on this issue, but I have said many times that we have to do something regardless, whether it's, you know, we have to, yeah. we're going to have to make a decision here soon. We have recreational down in Colorado. We essentially have recreational in Oklahoma, although it's a yeah. kind of medical. We have recreational in Missouri. We're sandwiched in three states yeah. around us right now, and it's coming in here. So Kansas is going to have to make a decision one way yeah. or the other relatively soon. Yeah, and you look at, I mean, a third of our population is, is centered in the Johnson County area, and they can go on a 20-minute drive uh, to the other side of the border <laughs> to buy recreational marijuana, yeah. you know, and, and and what they're doing, I mean, obviously they're committing a crime, but they're just bringing it back to Kansas, and A, we're losing out on all that tax revenue that they're going to the Missouri side, but B, we're making a bunch of criminals out of people that are just looking for some type of pain relief. Yeah. And that's 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 not good policy. Yeah, that's not the way to do it. It's State Representative Nick Heisel. We're out of time, my friend. Keep up this fight. It's yep. a great conversation to have. I appreciate all the time, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. Yes, sir, Andy. Take care. Hey, always a pleasure. There it is. Lots more. I know that there were so many other bills that they discussed. I want to get some more and talk about that here a little bit later as well. And what's going on in Topeka as we get closer to the end of the session of 2024, but some interesting conversations. But now we have some names, and now we get to reach out to these individuals and see if they come on the program to defend their position on not voting for a tax break in the state of Kansas for their personal reasons. Very fascinating. We'll do some of that and get your phone calls open lines for the rest of the program. It's Kansas Talk right here, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM.
Welcome back into it. 27 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks again to State Representative Nick Hoheisel on the program. Interesting conversation. So the marijuana bill, the amendment to remove that from the controlled substances in the state of Kansas, not well written, not well structured, not well organized. But we do have some other conversations of trying to at least talk about that medical marijuana side of things, which I open up to you to converse about. Good idea, bad idea. Would love to hear your thoughts on that one. I know it's been a stickler point for a long time. Some people adamantly against it. We did talk to a candidate for attorney general in the state of Missouri who said it was a bad idea as well. Not liking what's going on in the state of Missouri. Oklahoma's had their issues. Obviously, Colorado had to fine-tune their system before it actually was semi-decent, and we see what's happened to that state. So there are pros and cons to the conversation on both ends of the aisle, and uh, it's something I think we need to talk about. Again, look, I'm not saying that we should legalize it, but I am saying we need to have the conversation. It's coming into the state regardless. So either we beef up our law enforcement or we beef up and actually try and get some money from it. We spend money either way to regulate it. We spend money on rehab or whatever we do. Whatever the case is, we're going to have to at least address the issue in some way. Then, of course, we have the fentanyl issue as well that we're going to have to deal with here soon. We talk with uh, Tony, uh, the FBI director here in the state along with Attorney General Chris Kobach. We'll probably have him on in the show the next week or two. We are working on trying to get him on the program. But, uh, I mean, look, there's an ongoing battle. There's a drug battle, and that's coming from the southern border. That's coming from the fentanyl. That's coming from the cartels. So how do we find the best way to remove their power and allow us to do what we need to do, preserve our freedoms, and then keep the cartels out of the situation? Tricky conversation to have, so I'm opening it up to you. 316-721-8255. 31672 and talk on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. All right, when we come back, open lines to you. Uh, we don't have any more guests, so just open wide open for you to talk about whatever you want. We have the schools closing, we have the marijuana bill, we have the tax bill, we have some other things going on, plus our upcoming presidential preference primary in the state of Kansas. What is that going to look like coming up in March? Are you ready? The day to register to vote's done and over if you were looking to try and register beforehand. That's all said and done. So are you ready to go for our big election season of 2024. All that and more coming up here on Candace Talk. Last half hour on the home stretch, right here, Wichita's Big Talk or KQAM. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it on the home stretch last half hour of the program. Oh, it flies by so quickly, and we got so much to talk about here going on across the state of Kansas. I thought it was just a flyover state that didn't have anything important going on. <laughs> yeah, no, we got a lot to talk about here in the state for sure. We are seeing Oklahoma pass their tax bill, removing sales tax on groceries down there. That's going to take effect essentially in August once Governor Kevin Stitt signs that one. So they will be ahead of us in Kansas after the failed override on the tax veto. Will we see another tax bill come out? Time will tell as the legislature says they are working on some more bills on that front. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. I want to tell you about my friends 
over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. I love talking about these guys. They are absolutely amazing. They do wonderful jobs. They were voted best of two years in a row now by the Wichita Eagle for Appliance Repair in the Wichita area. Whether it's your refrigerator, your dishwasher, your microwave, your washer and dryer, any of your appliances you have in your home, you have the opportunity to either tune them up, make sure they're working properly, or you can get them replaced and they can help you fix them the way that they need to. Uh, they came up during the holiday season. Our dishwasher went out, and you should have seen the pile of dishes. Uh, no, I take that back. There were no dishes in the, the sink because uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason and I totally tag-teamed that and did that together. We did that. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that one. But nonetheless, she uh, we needed the dishwasher. So they came up, and they did a fantastic job. They got it all taken care of, and we appreciate all of what they do for sure. They take great uh, priority in their customer service. Give them a call. At 316-409-1525, 316-409-1525. You can also find them on their Facebook at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. Follow them and let them know if you have any issues. Don't be stuck in a bad situation when your appliances go down. Napoleon Appliance Repair. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line at number one. Good morning. Here's this. Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Mr. Nick. I figured that you were going to call. I was ah. hoping you would. Oh, yeah, sorry. How are you, brother? <laughs> Wonderful on yourself. Hey, living the dream every day. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I have to say, apparently, the Kansas GOP leadership, some of them in there, uh, would rather have an unregulated market uh, when it comes to cannabis, and they're not consistent with the principles of individual liberty uh, in in that. And apparent, and actually, I would say more hypocritical. Because if we're not going to allow something as simple as cannabis, but we're going to legalize fentanyl test strips so people can test their crack cocaine or naloxone vending machines so people can use their opioids, synthetic opioids, without fear or hopefully without fear of dying, I think that's a little hypocritical. Now, I testified on House Bill 2596, the uh, Controlled Substance Act bill, like I have since 2015, every chance I've gotten and uh, offered amendments to deschedule cannabis to decriminalize it and all the necessary apparatus being done. So I don't think that the argument that this is a rush process is, is valid. But I was misrepresented on the House floor by Representative Clifford saying that I was a proponent of the bill when actually I was neutral. And, and to make me a proponent would be exactly what the Democrats offered as an amendment. The Democrats were sounding more like uh, consistent conservative principles of individual liberty, free market, limited government, and all that, than what the uh, um, leadership and, and a lot of the uh, Republicans are doing. Now, I'm a hard-on-crime guy. I think if we're going to have synthetic uh, violations of the Controlled Substances Act, that um, we should have even mandatory minimum sentences for first-time offenses, because the government is supposed to restrain evildoers, and if we're not going to say that uh, taking certain drugs is evildoing, then it shouldn't be a crime. And if it is a crime, then we should get out there and enforce it and not allow 500 Kansans that have medical marijuana cards uh, from Missouri to be going back and forth and just the whole stupid thing of the low THC cannabis, which is defined as hemp, uh, having synthetically derived Delta 8s and Delta 9s all over Kansas, yeah, they've they've really tried to split hairs. I was at a shop just a, a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago because we use Kratom. Uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason was unfortunately passing a kidney stone. We needed some Kratom for some pain medication, which uh, people that don't know Kratom, we've had the Kratom Association on the program a few times talking about what that is. It's an amazing thing. So you're not taking opioids for drugs. 
but they were talking about the 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 Delta Eight, Delta Nine, and trying to break some of this down. And it's we're we're trying to split hairs essentially on what we can and can't do. And it's at the end of the day, it makes things more confusing than what it would be if we just tried to regulate this industry and just allow it to happen in the free market. Well, that's I think if there's a uh, mental disorder that maybe could be added, it would be politics use disorder. I don't know what kind of pill you're going to find for that, but I think there's a lot of people playing politics with this issue and wanting to have control over the people. Now, ironically, Germany just... Um, uh, had some uh, movement toward uh, allowing personal use in this, and there's some crazy weird jokes in there, but I'm going to leave that one alone for this um, conversation. But like I said, it, it's time that the uh, leadership of the GOP, the Kansas GOP, get in line with reality on this and stop playing playing political games, which now, is my opinion. Now let's talk about it on both sides of the aisle, because you're right. And I, like I've said before, I mean, we need to do something. We need to make a decision and, and say, you know what, we don't care. We're going to boost up law enforcement to either stop the influx of drugs coming in with marijuana from going to Missouri or Colorado or somewhere else to get it and bring it in here, or we're going to legalize it and try and get some of that taxpayer money. Let's look at it on both sides of the aisle here. And I get the argument from the other side from from, from some saying from Missouri, for example, uh, look at uh, look at crime and look at what happened there. Look at the abuse and look at all of the uh, cartels that are trying to grow down in Oklahoma. Look at how it devastated Colorado. So there there are legitimate points on the concern of what it could do to the state if we went down this road. What we should have been doing and what we should be doing right now is looking at them and trying to fine tune that system and recognize the issue's not going anywhere. We have to address it at some point. So if we're going to, let's try and find the best way to manage the issue so that way we can take the benefits of what other states have done with this and try and leave out the negative sides of this because maybe they wrote it in a poorly worded manner. Maybe they didn't regulate it properly or whatever the situation was that turned out negative on their side. Let's try and minimize that, but let's move forward with this in some fashion. There's two issues. One is natural versus synthetic, and then... Um, we have not been hard on crime. So we've eliminated penalties and, and made it easier. So Class B instead of a Class A misdemeanor, Class B misdemeanor. So you're, you're trying to uh, do both sides of the highway when saying something's public safety and public health. If it's crime, we need to be hard on crime and not um, allow all this probation and all this stuff and let people sit down in jail for a minute and think about what they did so they can uh, and not do it. But when it comes to plants, natural occurring substances, not the Delta AIDS and crap like that, but when it comes to plants, we need to back off, let people have uh, the freedom to, to grow it, be self-reliant, and all those principles that we say we believe in when it comes to constitutional rights and defending natural rights. Last one for you here, Nick, is uh, let's go a little bit more down the conspiratorial level on this one is do you think the reason we haven't moved forward with some of this not just in Kansas but in the few other states that have not addressed this is because of the pressure far from maybe big pharma where they don't want to lose those pain patients with their prescription pills as opposed to going and actually getting a natural plant is this a is this something from the pharmaceutical industry not wanting people to have a natural option here well, I think any time you can control somebody and have an endless monthly payment plan that follows, you're going to certainly want to fight for that to keep on continuing. So I think there's definitely an argument to be had there, uh, let alone if you want to go uh, totally conspiratorial and put on the 10 
people had, you could say that uh, we need Medicaid expansion so people can get taxpayer-funded for mental health issues so people can be eliminated when uh, the Nazi 2.0 people come. But uh, that's, that's taking it to a whole other level. <laughs> taking things to another level there. I love it. Nick, I appreciate the call, my friend. I always, uh, I always appreciate the conversation, and it is. It's a fascinating one for sure on this issue. So always love it, and thank you so much, my friend. I know you're going to keep up that fight and keep up doing what you do as well. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I'd love to hear from someone from Western Kansas, Garden City. I know you guys are listening out there on KIUL on what the mindset is for the marijuana issue in Garden City as well. I know that uh, the, the few years that I lived in Garden City, I talked to law enforcement out there about their drug task force. And obviously being a straight shot like Wichita is from the border and some of the drugs that come in that way, then is that a concern of the harder drugs from there? And where does that tie in with marijuana as well? And would Western Kansas, I know that even though it is still red out there, Republican-wise, it's maybe not as conservative. It's a little bit more on that moderate side. Just go with the flow kind of mindset. I know. I kind of got frustrated with some of the politics going on and some of the elected officials at that time out there in, uh, in the Garden City area which I love you guys to death. You guys are fantastic. But some of the elected officials were a little bit more on that moderate uh, persuasion, so to speak. So I'm curious on what the mindset for something like that would be. From the agricultural standpoint, I know a lot of farmers are itching to try and put it in the ground because that's a new product that they could be growing. And I know that hemp was a good idea at first. And then, of course, the government, like usual, the government took advantage of the idea for hemp and the expansion of the hemp growing in the state where you have to pay like $80,000 per acre for a license to grow it. And there's no room for revenue or return on investment on something like that. So it was absurd with how the government structured the hemp program. And then they turned around and said, oh, look at that. No one wants to do it. Guess we're not going to allow that to happen in the state. The government abused it by creating a situation in an environment where it was not beneficial to anybody at all at that time. And I'm afraid that we're going to go down that road again with this one. So either way, we're seeing some major expenses coming into the state right now. The expense is into law enforcement trying to stop it from happening when it's not stopping it from happening. So what do we do about it and how do we move forward with that issue is definitely a big conversation. All right, we'll take a break. 316-721-8255. Your thoughts on this and more when we come back. Plus, we'll get our update from the AARP as we do every single week as well. And it gets you set for election season. We are going to speak with... uh, Scott Schwab, Secretary of State, next week on the upcoming presidential preference primary in the state because this is going to be a different style than what we normally do in Kansas, at least for the past few years. And are you ready? And by the time that we do our vote here, will the dynamic really look different? Will Donald Trump already be the presumptive nominee for the Republicans? And will Joe Biden still be on the ballot because of the shenanigans going on on the Democrat side? I'm curious on where Democrats stand on their preference primary because Joe Biden is getting all the numbers in the states, but at the same time, they're not too excited about him. I'd love to hear from some of you guys as well. 316-721-8255. Back after this on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Again, with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community, make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also, find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's on the line with us today. Glenda, how are you? I'm doing well, Andy, and you? Doing good. Always great to chat with you. So much going on here for the new year 
as uh, we kick off 2024. And with the Fraud Watch Network, some of the new scams that are coming out, technology taking things to another level as there's a lot of scams going on right now. What's the latest that you've heard? Well, the latest we've heard is in one of the uh, online romance scams. And we know that they have actually been around and wreaking havoc for years. But um, in a uh, this particular one, criminal enterprises are playing the long game with targets that will help them to compound their lo- their losses by engaging them in what's called crypto investment schemes. And um, this is how it works, Andy. Wow. Uh, it's very concerning. I know yeah. we're, we're just coming off of Valentine's Day, so people are in that sweetheart type of mindset right now. So there's a lot of vulnerable people that could be victim to this. Yes. And this is called an errant text. And um, the people sending these texts, you might wonder, well, they are enslaved and being forced to do it. And here's how it works. If you receive a text you think was sent in error, uh, maybe it's a pet owner trying to reach the vet or someone texting you about dinner to say it's like dinner still on for tonight. And so just being polite, you say, oh, I didn't um, make that text. And so you send it to the wrong um, recipient. But that's really all it takes for one of these errant texts to begin a conversation with you that sparks a friendship or a love interest. That could become a trusted relationship, which then opens the door for learning how to invest in cryptocurrency. Interesting. This almost seems like the female tactic when they accidentally spill their coffee on you to try and introduce themselves, but uh, with more malicious (laughs) intent here on the scams. More malicious, more malicious intent. Romance scams have become one of the top drivers of cryptocurrency fraud. Um, And this fraud is being uh, really luring the frontline workers with fake employment offers and really enslaving them to ensnare um, those these target schemes into the system. So it's the latest mode, uh, and it real, really plays out on social media and all of the dating sites and apps. So what our, our uh, listeners should do, Andy, what we really want them to do, is that if you get a text like this or it's suspicious, don't click on it. Remember, you can report it by forwarding it to that 7726 number, and that takes a little process, but really follow through it. And then also know that anything that's simple and easy like that comes in email or text that you are about to spot a scam and you can stop that scam. Yeah, it's great stuff, great information. And especially, like you said, with the romance scams that are big this time of year and really all year long, it is unfortunate. uh, But they're getting more clever by just introducing themselves slyly to you and trying to make that bond uh, with you. It's very scary. And you can, have, of course, as, as you mentioned, reach out to the Fraud Watch Network, let people know about it and warn others yes. about what's going on. We got just about a minute left here, Glenda, but talk about what else is going on with the AARP now that we're going into a little bit warmer weather and uh, the early spring that we're seeing here in Kansas. Yes, yes, yes. We're still having our online activities, but we will very soon be out and about uh, with our activities in the communities. But we still engage on the line, online, on our Facebook, and our, um, our absolutely on our YouTube page. So we want everyone to really reach out and join us. Yeah, great information. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Find them and follow them on uh, them, plus their social media as well. Glenda, we always appreciate it. As always, make sure to check in with the Fraud Watch Network. Let's check in again here real soon. Okay, thanks so much. All right, there it is, our weekly update with the AARP. Visit them online, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. All right, we got just a couple minutes left here if you want to jump on the program. As you know, we are getting closer to that election time, and there will be a new party on the ballot in the state for the general election. Now, I would like to reiterate with you and remind you that we have three elections in this state for you to attend. 
I know. Usually it's only like two. This year you have three. It's going to be a big year. It's going to be a busy year for you. And as we like to say, it's going to be a bigly one. And I think we're going to make it bigly. So that's what we're going to do. So we had the presidential preference primary coming up in March. We have the primary in August. And we have the general election in November. So make sure that we get the vote out for all three of those. If you are looking to run for office and you want to throw your hat in the ring against some of these maybe individuals that you don't think are doing the best of jobs, this would be the time to do so. As I believe June 1st is that deadline for you to register and file and actually get your name on the ballot for the primary in August. And if you're looking to try and maybe take one of these seats, then start talking to the parties. Now, I've told you that I've been very critical of the statewide Republican Party. Your county parties are where it's at. Your county Republican Party is where you can be the most effective and where you can be involved. You can talk to their leadership. You can see what's going on in your area and you can see who you need to help out or if there is a vacant spot for you to throw your name into the ring and actually try to run for. While they do work with the statewide Republican Party, obviously the local grassroots way is the do it is the way to do it and is the more efficient way to actually get things done. And your county Republican Party is what can actually be the most effective. So we have some opportunities here, not to mention that really it's you and I walking out there just doing what we do best, which is our grassroots campaigning, talking to people, knocking on doors, and making it happen at that local level. Politics is always local, and we need to remind everybody of that as we go into the season where right now I think we have some elected officials that may not be representing us the best way they possibly need to do so. So that being said, we still have some chances. If you want to throw your hat in the ring or if you want to get more involved, let's do it. I was chatting with somebody on uh, the social media throughout the morning this morning about how why there's so many Democrats that don't understand our viewpoint. And we've gotten into these echo chambers. We've gotten into this time where we just have our barriers where, you know, the vast majority continue to stick with their side just to reinforce their own ideas as opposed to expanding outward and trying to discuss across the aisle and find that middle ground or at least to understand, while we may not agree with, at least understand the concepts and the principles of the other side of the aisle. And we have to do a better job of that. Republicans, we can win. Conservatism will win when we actually explain our agenda. But our messaging has to be there. And right now our messaging is struggling a little bit because we're too busy infighting amongst ourselves. The work in progress we're going to do here in the state of Kansas, I am optimistic. While we have our obstacles and hurdles to leap over and work through, I am still optimistic that we are going to dominate in 2024. Until then, we're back at it again next weekend. Everybody have a great one. This is Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. We'll see you on the radio.